Now, you said that twice, where it's the students who make all the discoveries, which just, I have to ask you, so what's your job then? (laughs) (laughs) No, you know, that's quite true. And really what I try to do is to provide the resources, bring a group of people together that each knows how to do different things and help them to interact and promote that interaction. And they kind of stand out of the way. You know, the research really goes from the bottom up. Hi, everyone. I'm Jim Ryan, the president of the University of Virginia, and I'd like to welcome all of you to the latest episode of Inside UVA. This podcast is a chance for me to speak with some of the amazing people at the university and to learn more about what they do and who they are. My hope is that listeners will ultimately have a better understanding of how UVA works and a deeper appreciation of the remarkably talented and dedicated people who make UVA the institution it is. Today's guest is Dr. Bill Petrie, Vice Chair for Research in the UVA Department of Medicine, a chaired professor of infectious disease and international health, and the head of the Petrie Lab. Bill, it's a real honor to have you here. Jim, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to have the chance to talk with you. So you are a world-renowned infectious disease expert with over 400 publications and 20 patents. You are the recipient, rightly so, of numerous accolades, including inclusion in multiple medical honor societies and the Thomas Jefferson Award for Excellence in Scholarship, which is the highest award given to UVA faculty. Um, You have made significant contributions to global health, Uh, which has meant traveling the globe in order to do your research. You've been a mentor to many. You are a husband and proud father of five children. You play the trombone and you run marathons. So my first quick question is, how in the world do you do all of this? Everything is fun. And so when, when you get to work with UVA students, discover new things, go running, um, raise a family in a beautiful community like Charlottesville, it it all works. Well, I think you may be superhuman too, which which probably helps. Um, So I'm curious to to go back to the beginning. I mean, you have had a truly remarkable career. How did you get started and how did you get interested in the field of research that you've been pursuing for decades now? I think I've always wanted to be a scientist. Like I was in elementary school during the race to the moon, and my right. godfather was um, actually the press officer for NASA. So I got to meet Scott Carpenter, and my father was a chemical engineer. And so I always knew I wanted to be a scientist. And then there was a wonderful program at NIH that put high school students into the labs at NIH. And my older sister did that, then I did it, my younger sister did that, and all three of us now are physician scientists. And so we learned that we both wanted to be doctors and care for people and also do science. And so it was really a remarkable opportunity for a high school student. So where did you grow up? Did you grow up near NIH? Yeah, we grew up in in D.C., yes, yeah, so just, just in the Chevy Chase part of Washington. And then how about your particular field? I mean, you you could have studied any number of things. How did you get interested in the topics that you study? Well, in medical school, uh, one of my professors was Dick Grant, who's still here on faculty. And uh, Dick lectured us as first-year medical students about how important infectious diseases were in low and middle income countries. And I, I was sold on the spot and I'm still doing doing what he told us about 40 years ago. 
And it's been an interesting field to be in lately. For sure. <laughs> yeah, it's been very fulfilling to be able to try to contribute something back uh, with the pandemic. Yeah, I want to come back to that. Um, but first, I'm curious, a lot of folks I've had on this podcast, I've asked them what led them to UVA. Uh, I want to ask you a slightly different question. I mean, you have um, spent essentially your entire professional career here and have been a professor for more than three decades. What, what's kept you here? Jim, it's the students. And, and I don't know that people outside of science understand that all of the discoveries that are made are made by students. And whether that's UVA undergraduates, since our medical school is part of the grounds, it's easy for them to work in the lab, graduate students, MD fellows, they're the ones that are making the discoveries. And that is like so fun because you know, I'm learning new things. And it, at the same time, it's, it's creating careers and, and building you know, young people's futures. And then to be able to follow their success, you know, over again, like over 30 years and, right. and see them be, you know, be their own person in science and medicine. And what are you working on in the Petri Lab right now? Well, we have a big effort on making vaccines, and so that includes uh, work on an intranasal vaccine for COVID-19. We're actually in uh, trials in non-human primates of an amebiasis vaccine, which is the parasite that I first started working on 30 years ago at UVA. And then we're actually working on a vaccine against another parasite that's important in children in, the, in low-income countries called cryptosporidiosis. Uh, and your work on COVID, you pivoted a bit to focus on, on COVID when the, when the pandemic hit. And can you talk a little bit about w what that looked like? Sure. Um, what was clear here, like by February of 2020, was that the COVID was coming to Charlottesville, yeah. that it was inevitable. And we were able to set up a study before the first patient ever arrived at UVA Hospital where we could collect um, every discarded clinical sample from a COVID patient. And you know, when we get like your blood drawn for a complete blood count, for example, there's always a little bit left over. And so those discarded samples, we established a biorepository so we could look at how is the immune response different in someone who does well during their hospitalization or who goes on and requires mechanical ventilation. And um, that, yeah, that was uh, a, a technician in my lab, Mary Young, who came in every day during the lockdown and went over to the clinical lab and collected these discarded samples. And then Allie Donlan, uh, at the time, was a graduate student. She was studying another infectious disease with me. And she really courageously dropped what she was doing to work on COVID-19, including working with Barbara Mann in our biosafety level three lab at UVA you know, with a live virus and a mouse model before there was a vaccine. So it, it was like, you know, very encouraging time where people were really stepping forward to try to make a difference. And how unusual is it to see a vaccine developed as quickly as the vaccine for COVID-19 was developed? I mean, you had mentioned that you're, you're working on a vaccine to address a disease um, that you've been studying for 30 years. I, I gather the time frame here was, was pretty remarkable. It's incredible. I literally am on year 30 of developing an amebiasis vaccine, which is not unusual. 
know, the pace of scientific discovery and the contribution of science to COVID-19 is something I hope that we'll all remember 10, 20 years from now. You know, that's everyone's investment in supporting research. This is not overnight, but it's 20 years of research on coronaviruses that, that right. came into play. Even from the original SARS epidemic in 2000, um, there were things learned about that spike lycoprotein that went yeah. into the design of the mRNA vaccines. And looking into your crystal ball, you know, we are, at least locally, there's a lot of variation across the country and across the globe, obviously, but it looks like we're on the back end of the Omicron variant. What do you see ahead? We're going to be at the highest level of immunity in the United States ever because there's 250 million people who have been vaccinated in the U.S. 90 million have had COVID-19, unfortunately. And so you add those two numbers together, that's almost everybody in the U.S. has either been exposed or vaccinated. And I think the unknown is like, how long will that immunity last? And will a new variant arise? And you know, I think there's always the worry of a new variant because it only takes one person for a new variant. You know, the Omicron, as you know, uh, was one person who was chronically infected from 2020 until last November, someone who was immunocompromised that couldn't clear the virus. The same thing with the Alpha variant from the UK was a single individual. So I think that right. that's always a risk, but I think that we're in for a, a very good period of time in, as we get into the spring, just because of the very high levels of immunity. Right, right. Um, so let me shift gears a little bit. You talked about the different students who work in your lab, and um, I wonder if this is related to the NIH grants that you've received, the T32 grants, um, which you've been involved in for quite some time, and I wonder if you could describe the, the programs supported by those grants. Sure thing. So a T32 is a grant from the NIH that supports training students and fellows, in this case in infectious disease. And the grant that I've been leading since 1996 was actually founded 50 years ago by Jerry Mandel, who was the original head of infectious diseases at UVA and is really kind of the father of this clinical specialty of infectious disease. And, and that was really nice because I didn't have a cold start. I was just like building on something that was already going very well. And the, the unusual thing about this training program from NIH or T32 is that we are training side-by-side -side physicians with graduate students. And so we'll have like a research in progress where a graduate student will present their research and then a physician fellow will, um, or we'll have a journal club. And so that's unusual. And, and I think that that's really important because each discipline brings something different to science. The, the, the graduate students are experts in the approaches and uh, understanding mechanisms of disease. The physicians understand like need for new knowledge for patients we don't know like the right thing to do and so you bring them together it, I, I, it, to me like, that's that's what drives me that, that's, that's what's so rewarding is seeing that work and is that unusual to see that kind of collaboration it is unfortunately and you know it's one of the nice things about UVA is that this is a very close-knit collaborative community yeah. uh, in the in research um, you know because Lab per lab, we're just as good as any place in the, in the U.S. or in the world, for that matter.
but we're smaller and we're close together. And, and so right. it's easy like to, to have students learn new techniques in, in a colleague's lab or for me to go and, and learn something. Yeah. Um, so 20 patents. Um, I'm curious about that. And um, do you have one that you're most proud of and or that you could explain to us um, what it does? Sure. Um, so one that we just filed um, just last week um, is by a graduate student, uh, David Tyus. And th this is a good example of the way things work. So David is a neuroscience graduate student, came to do his PhD with me because he thought that there's ways that the nervous system connects with the immune system, and that's going to affect susceptibility to infection. And so one of the infections we study is called um, C. difficile. And David has discovered that the peripheral nervous system is very important in susceptibility. And he's found a single drug that blocks a receptor of the nervous system that can protect against C. difficile. So, so it's, it's a neat thing because it's very, very basic neuroscience applied to an infectious disease that potentially leads to a new therapy. And most importantly, this is completely David's idea. And this is typical of what goes on in the labs. It's the students and the fellows that come up with the good ideas and the new discoveries. So, Bill, you have a gift of being able to translate uh, scientific concepts into language that the rest of us who are not trained scientists uh, can understand. I, I can see why the Daily Progress has asked you to respond to readers' questions about uh, the pandemic. Um, how hard is it to do, that is, to translate scientific research into language that non-experts can understand? And how important is it that someone tries to do this? Well, in a way, it's hard. In a way, it's easy. It's, it's easy in that I, I can understand the science much better than the average person in Charlottesville. Right. It's hard because like to answer, the, they're really smart questions that I get from the Daily Progress. And so I've got to go into the literature and really understand it so I'm telling people the right thing. And of course, that's one of the beauties of being a professor is that every time you teach, you're learning more than the person that you're, you're teaching. Right. right. So that's been, it's been a, a lot of fun being able to participate in like lay education. And you think like that, you know, if one person gets vaccinated as a result of something I've written, that's a huge success. Yeah. So you have deep roots in, in Charlottesville um, and at UVA. I understand that you met your wife at UVA and were married in the chapel. Yes, one of the best decisions I ever made. So it's like, <laughs> you know, Marianne's like incredibly uh, supportive of everything I do. Um, you know, and raising five children in Charlottesville is, is, is amazing. Last question uh, about, uh, about running. Uh, so talk to us a little bit about your interest in uh, marathoning, um, why you run, and, and what's your favorite spot? Uh, to run in Charlottesville. Well, as you know, Jim, we all benefit from having Mark Lorenzoni here and the community Absolutely. of runners right. that he's built. You know, I've gone through the entire COVID with a dear group of friends that we all run together from Greenberries. We have coffee socially distanced outside like six days a week. 
graduate students, professors, community people. And so it, it, I can't over, overestimate like the importance of that friendship through running. Mm-hmm. Um, and to answer your question, my favorite place is out of Green Springs, which is like, you know, this historically preserved thousand acres with these beautiful farms and you can run for literally four hours and never pass a car. You know, just gorgeous out there. Right. You know, I, in all the places I have run, I have yet to get out to Green Springs. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it on my list. Oh, please. Yeah, let, let me know when you're there. And we'll, we'll join you. We won't be able to keep up with you, but we'll oh, join I you. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Um, uh, well, Dr. Petrie, um, thank you so much for your time. It's really been a total pleasure to speak with you. Thank you for leading us through COVID-19. Oh, well, um, it was a team effort for sure. Thank you for your help. Inside UVA is a production of WTJU 91.1 FM and the Office of the President at the University of Virginia. Inside UVA is produced by Mary Garner McGee, Brooke Whitehurst, Matt Weber, and Nathan Moore. We also want to thank Monica Schack, Athena Haney, and McGregor McCants. Our music is turning to you from Blue Dot Sessions. Listen and subscribe to Inside UVA in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back soon with another conversation about the life of the university.